This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. We're in night two of our major commitment to God. I love it. It feels good, right? I feel something different and compelling this year. I think sometimes when, uh, no, I don't think I know, when, when people come into agreement in God and in the truths of God, um, there's just something added, something extra special, something um, quite supernatural, something magical, something that is way beyond the norm that happens. And, you know, so many of the songs we sing, one particular one where he's, even when we can't see it, when we can't feel it, he's moving. And I think if we all can get into what's happening this year, we have made an agreement together. We prayed at the end of last week and agreed that we're not going to be the same this year, that we've entered even this year of teaching, this disciplined curriculum, not a legalistic curriculum, a disciplined curriculum, very intentionally building blocks that we are agreeing that as we put them in place, there's going to be a stronghold, the right kind, that happens inside of us. Some force that literally will rise and emanate from us against the forces that come against us. See, this is the power of the embodiment of Christ. Sometimes the the pictures from Scripture, we... We make light or we can get familiar with them. The embodiment of Christ, we take these terms like we're the body of Christ and we get kind of casual with them. As the family of God, as the body of Christ, we are the embodiment of the anointed one on the planet. We are the compiled, the compilation of his gifts, his anointing, his power, his love. It's quite miraculous quite miraculous. So night two, I think we ended last week. Um, The word of God, we should commit it to memory, commit it to the center of our being. It's not, memorization is not something that's wrong. But it's more than this memory. Memorization and committing the word of God to the center of our being, committing it to heart, is to allow it to become us. Allow it to be our life. Allow it to be the place, and last week we said, the place we always return to as a reference. You see, if, we, if you hit a situation and you're like, oh, is this you, is this not God? We go to our center. And what witness is born there? You see, it's not just about chapters and verses. Because we can learn chapters and verses and say, this situation doesn't match the scriptures. But what if it's something that is on our paths? I heard a teacher say this past week that you cannot plan your life, but you can prepare for it. You see, we make plans, and sometimes they don't unfold the way we thought they should. Hello? Anybody got arms up? Any situations that just like I said last week, you know, how I taught Jesus, really? But we can prepare. God is not willing that any perish. Perishing isn't difficult situations. It's suffocating in difficult situations. Come on, guys. There are situations where we can be prepared by the living God himself to thrive. I've shared with you all that one of Marianne's testimonies when um, my daughter, when she and David walked through with their family, Eli's diagnosis with cancer, and she learned in those four years a greater understanding of joy. Wackadoodle. Not humanly possible. Yet God says in scripture, joy is your strength. When you can take joy in God and you take joy in God, you're taking God into a situation. 
that otherwise is devastating, otherwise is hell on earth. But when by faith we take situations and we lift them up into the realm of truth, we allow redemptive love to captivate a situation and bring it right. And it starts first right here. Okay, so we're going to move on from that point, and we're in the building block, uh, God's perspective of faith. Sometimes we can sit in church our entire lives and have a church perspective of faith. Anybody got a hanky? (laughs) The church perspective of faith will not save you. Only God saves. So one of the things I've been thinking about as I've been preparing for this year to unfold is... The key for everything with God is sonship, to grasp sonship, to grasp you're not earning position in the kingdom. You're not earning acceptance with God. You are a child of the most high God. He calls us sons. Okay. Even we, you know, we say sons and daughters, but really from scripture, we're sons. Because the gender of spirit is the picture of a male gender. We're sons. We're offspring. A key in in history, ancient history, the, the firstborn son, the sons, inherited everything. Hello. So this year, we're going to have some inheritance that's not just going to be ours. It's already ours. It's going to manifest in our hands, in our lives, right in front of our eyes. Amen. Y'all with me? It's going to be crazy. I think it's going to be absolutely crazy. And at the end of this year, we're going to look at each other and say, what a ride. Seriously, like, what a ride. I'm already, I approach Wednesdays and I cannot wait to get here with you guys. I cannot wait for the feel of us together in him. It's crazy what it does to me. As we live in God's perspective or outlook on a situation, we become persuaded and begin to think like him and thus talk like him. And we communicate like him. I love the word communicate. So often we associate communication with words, with verbal communication. But there's all kinds of communication. There's nonverbal communication. There's the communicating, you call it communicable disease, communicable viruses. There are things that transmit from one person to another. There are, okay, get ready, okay, so worshipers and lovers of Jesus. There are attitudes that communicate, and you don't have to say one word. This country reeks of attitude. And sometimes toward people, prejudices. It's built as a sanctuary for all men and women, this country. Right? Freedom. I mean, the people that originally came weren't from here. So where the heck did prejudice come from, right? It's like, come on, people, let's get alive here. So communicable, transmittable, transferable. I'm looking at definitions of communicate because faith comes by hearing the word. Faith comes by God communicating something to us. How many would agree with me that God is completely confident? So he has faith. He never doesn't have faith. So if Our faith, the God kind of faith, comes from him, communicated from him. What would our faith do? If we really just walk in God confidence. I remember one time I was sitting. um, I'd probably only been baptized in the spirit. I don't know, a year or two. So I was like 35, 36-ish, sitting in my living room in Warrington. And... um, God's ministering to me about confidence, about faith. And he said, when you were a little girl, if your daddy had told you the sky was black, you'd have believed him. And you would have said, my daddy said. (laughs) Selah. When we look at situations around us in our lives that are right in our face, 
It's time for us to say, my daddy said. And sometimes we need to look in the mirror at ourselves. Kathy, your daddy said. This is important, guys, because he is continually, when I have intimacy with him, when I have interaction with him, when I go to this word, you see, sometimes you can go to this word. You don't feel anything, maybe. In fact, maybe you feel dulled, you know, like numb, overwhelmed. But he says, all those who come to me will be saved. We get these definitions in a box of what salvation is. Sometimes we think it's instant. The entrance of his seed is instant. But the maturing of that seed often takes time that trips us out. Don't we get tripped out by time? Roth was talking at um, chess tonight about now. It's always now. You can feel crazy like nothing's going to work one minute, but keep telling yourself it's now. Now faith is. Two minutes ago, I thought I wouldn't make it. But when faith comes, when that something inside of me that's confident comes, and it will come from truth, it lifts me up. Okay, are you all with me? It's something being communicated to us. It's very important that we understand communication. Because sometimes we don't feel faith coming to us. But God is communicating. When we talk to to our babies, to our children when they're real little, initially, they don't understand our verbal communication. So we say, water. This is water. They're like, you know, like, what? Duh. What does that mean? So we give them a drink. Water. And to help them even learn how to say the word, we'll say, wah, wah, wah. Why do we think God is not a father who will take us step by step that exact same way? For some reason, we think he's constantly critiquing our behavior, even if we're like whatever age, that we should be beyond that. Ever had that thought, you know, honestly, I should be beyond this. I should be better at life than this. So we start to think like him. When you hang with people, you think like them. So watch out. I'm just saying. You can love people. It doesn't mean you should run with them. I'm going to go there for just a minute because sometimes we, we have friendships and we feel like we, we have to be with people all the time and they may have languaging or life attitudes or a life choice that is completely different. And it doesn't mean that we can't love them and even be with them at times. But if you spend constant time with people who constantly militate with their words, with their attitudes, with their lifestyle against what you desperately need, it's not wise. And I'm a person that's incredibly liberal with love. But when we build relationship, we must make sure that we have safe boundaries in place for ourselves, and also with those people. Not always boundaries that push them away, but sometimes boundaries for their well-being. Because we're, we're communicating things from God. Or not. Are you all with me? It's important. If we're really going to... Bring salvation to the world. And I'm not talking churchy, you know, nonsensical, religious, sit on a church pew stuff. I'm talking about real life. See, we are accountable when we have life. What we freely receive, the word of God says, freely give it. Don't freely hide it. You don't have to go out and be a Jesus freak and use the name of Jesus. But you can certainly be the name of Jesus. You can be love. You can be strength. You can be the voice of sanity. Y'all with me? That's not in my notes to go there. But you see, this is faith. Growing up and maturing in faith is growing up and maturing in a confidence that says, I live this life 24-7, not on Sundays. Well, I do live on Sunday, but I mean not only Sunday. I mean, it's pretty sick. And honestly, though, that's what the world has seen. The world has seen Sunday Christians. 
The world has, has seen people who talk Jesus talk when they come in the building and sit on the blue chairs. And then they go out there and they hate everybody. They hate everything. They diss the country. They diss the president. They, did, they diss uh, everybody in their neighborhood. They diss people that don't talk in tongues. They di- I mean, come on, church, right? We're communicating. We're transmitting. We're transferring something that's not our father. Here's a key. Faith is not meant to instantly deliver us out of tough situations, but rather to keep us stable as we walk through a situation to an ultimate end that is positive. Ever just want a deliverance instantly like, please, Jesus, you know, that old commercial Calgon, take me away. Will we want to quote scripture? Jesus, get me out of this quick. It might've taken you 20 years to get in it. But we want him to get us out like this. Like I lived this way for 20 years and really screwed up my life. But now like Jesus, I see here, it should be different. So thank you. And then we worship and lift our hands in church for a week, two weeks, a month, a year, five years. And then we say, not a daggone thing, but we might not say daggone. Thing has changed. I'm done. I see people do this all the time. Get discouraged, discouraged. Anything dissy? It's not God. The dis words, it's a negative, whatever, you know, component in a compound word. The dis is a negative. Dis-ease, discourage, disappoint, disengage. You can go anywhere you want to go with that. Okay, let's go to 2 Corinthians. Let's go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Are y'all with me? I believe that I'm going to get through everything that I want to get through tonight. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Sometimes you just got to tell yourself that. Don't lose heart. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. And that's not like literally dying, but might be in dire situations. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Renewed is re-energized. Do you understand that as God communicates to us, he energizes us, energizes us even in our humanity for existence on the planet. Don't hate your humanity. It's it's what keeps you on the planet. Without your body, you're gone. For our light affliction, and I purposefully wanted to get, um, use the New King James instead of the Passion, because of the words. They're like, sometimes you read words like in King James or New King James, and you think, ew. For our light affliction, and that simply means something that really in the scheme of things is not important. The importance is not the situation you're walking through. The importance is how you approach the situation. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And here's when it does that. Here's when it's able to do that. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. They're temporal, they're natural, they're subject to change. Anything natural is subject to change. You want to know your take it to the bank thing? When everything had been destroyed and there was darkness, God looked into the darkness from the unseen realm and said, let there be light and started bringing restoration. I'm going to go just a split second in the beginning of Genesis between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. There were two very different happenings. He created everything in Genesis 1-1 perfect. There was something cataclysmic. All theologians agree to that. Something happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. The feeling among the majority of truly Christ-filled theologians is that that was when Satan fell. And so there was a cataclysmic thing that affected this perfectly, perfectly created realm. 
And so there was devastation. It wasn't reproductive. It was devastated. That's when God looked into the material realm and said, let there be light. Let there be illumination. I'm entering once again. I'm bringing restoration. And so the languaging used from there on was restoration language. He began to speak and bring things right. And then he places mankind in the midst of this and says, now you tend and keep. You tend and keep. You see, the beginning of tending and keeping out here is tending and keeping in here and in here. Tending and keeping. You are fearfully and wonderfully built. You are built to function off the fuel of the communicated love, word, and energizing of God himself. You are literally built for high test fuel. Not natural input. You're built to be filled by the spirit of life. You see, with your car, if you put the wrong gas in the tank, it won't run properly. That's why so many things on the planet are going on because we put fuel in, and I'm not talking food, I'm talking now, attitudes, belief systems, structures of operation that we choose to walk in with our life. Devastation, depression, we allow things in. We don't fight against it. We don't lift up against it. And so those things get stronger and stronger inside us to where we literally have built a structure of belief, a structure of trust. (sighs) every one of us in this room tonight, there's somewhere in our life we're trusting in the wrong thing. The grace of God is why we don't go poof up in smoke. Because you see anything disconnected from God, anything, pardon me, that's not God, it's not life. (sighs) You with me? Okay, so... Um, did I go to, yeah, so it's temporary, temporal things. Look at um, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Just go down a little bit more. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by a confident conviction. We, we walk by a persuasion. There's a persuasion. We have to allow ourselves to be persuaded. God doesn't force his way into any human life. No human life. But he comes to communicate. He comes to transmit, to transfer, to convey, to spread life into us. He even did it with Adam after the fall. I cannot stand when teachers and preachers paint a picture that God turned him back on Adam. He did not. No, he did not. There would never have been salvation if he'd done that. Ever. A human has to receive it for it to manifest on the planet. Hello. So he calls out to him. Where are you, Adam? Now, this is God. God knew where Adam was. He didn't ask Adam the question for himself. He asked Adam the question for him. God might be saying, because Adam isn't really like a name like Kathy or Babette or Heather or Kevin. Adam is the name of the human race. It's the, the word, the ancient language for the whole of humanity, the whole human race. So he might say to you tonight, Adam. Do you know where you're at? Say no condemnation. I'm going to say it. No condemnation. Thank you, Father God. <gasps> I mean, that's the graciousness of God. GPS, remember? Kathy, you missed your exit. Make a U-turn and go back two blocks. He might say that to you tonight. Romans ten seventeen. Let's go there. This is still the intro, okay, for this God's perspective on faith. And we're going to get deeper and deeper into it because it's very important that we understand that we are living in a form of faith all the time. You're trusting in something all the time. The reason being we're built to trust. We're built to trust. We're not built to be singular, independent beings that just trust in ourselves. When we trust in ourselves, that's self-ish. You know, that's all about me, self-ish. And that's the spirit of the enemy. 
to make my whole life about what I want to do and what I think. Okay, so Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Such familiar scriptures. I'm going to tell you one of the biggest curses in word and faith or in a faith movement or a faith church is to get familiar with this particular verse. It's a killer. Because literally we are being told by that verse that faith comes communicated to us from God. We don't earn it. We don't learn it. It's a gift. He comes and says, I'm going to literally breathe into you. You see, the faith, the energizing to come alive that came to Adam laying there. God created him, if you will, spirit and then breathe spirit into this body. He builds this body out of earthly stuff. You know, like when our guys go into outer space and they need a spacesuit. Well, when you're on earth, but you're a spirit being, you need an earth suit. You need an inner realm, <laughs> you know, like this realm, not a spirit realm suit. Your spirit needs an earth realm suit. And so God goes to that body laying there. He builds this fabulous house. Fearfully and wonderfully built, already ordained with everything in it to carry that spirit being. And don't trip on this, okay? Don't, don't trip out. But he built that body for eternity, to, to work for eternity, to live for eternity. Cellular renewal, restoration, healing power, but all of it hooked to him. That he would be breathing continually words of faith. He would be communicating life. He and Adam and the human race would operate in sync. This is so important because then he breathes into that body and animates it. Energizes it. Now you come a couple thousand years later and Paul writes to the church at Rome. Confident expectation, confidence comes from hearing and that hearing needs to be the rhema of God, the words of God. So I want to look at a couple words there. Hearing is a koe and it's the act, the sense or the thing heard. Whatever you're needing to have the strength, the wherewithal to exist on planet earth, to thrive comes as God communicates into you. Sometimes like even in worship, he's not speaking at a level that we consciously grasp. Yet he's breathing. He says, just come and be with me. I'm going to breathe in you. You see, when, when the body was laying there on the ground, having just been formed out of earthly material with the creative power of God, the man wasn't aware that God was going to go and release himself into that. But then he came alive And he's moving and he's still not knowing at this kind of a level what just happened. Come on, guys. It's time for us to quit trying to understand naturally. It's time to quit saying, well, if we're going to do this and that and this and the other in the world, and how's it going to happen? Well, certainly not by us, but through us. We don't have any magic. We simply have a father. Who built us strategically to breathe in from him. To have transmitted to us continually. You see, when we don't know, we need to sit with him and say, I don't know. I just don't know right now. But you are omniscient. You're all-knowing and you live inside me. You already know the end of my life. You know everything that's on my path. So though I can't plan out ahead of time. See, it would freak us out if we knew everything that was on our path. I mean, I'm really glad I'm not omniscient because I, I think back to some of the things I would have been freaked out if I'd known the thing with Eli was on the path. I, I would have been, the grace came when we needed it, but we were prepared for it. He brought us to this house and we were in this house for 25, 26 years. Marianne came to this house at age five and was groomed in confidence in God. David grew up in a household where before he was even conceived, separately, God says to his mother and to his father, separately, you're going to have another child, call him David. They come together. Linda says, I got something to tell you. Same bill. 
And they tell each other that, and they're like, my gosh, you told each one of us separate. So here are two parents. You see, they're not special beyond anybody else. But God is ordaining some things that if we will open our eyes, if we will listen, if we will hear, if we will sense, if we will allow him to teach us, he's preparing us for life, not death. Even when the situation says death, he says, I've got you prepared. To the point that on the morning of the diagnosis, she gets a prophetic word. Literally, God speaks to her driving along in the car. And gives her a picture and says, the fruit of your womb is blessed. Come on, guys. Faith comes by hearing. She knew she had learned. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by the sense. My dad's talking to me. He's talking to me. I wonder what this is about. I don't like it. It But he was speaking. He was saying, I'm not shocked. I've got this. This is in the palm of my hand. Can you? Will you? Walk it out with me. Oh my goodness, guys. This is so powerful. Life in God is so astounding and scary all at the same time. But not natural fear. Not natural fear. So a koe is the act, the sense, or the thing heard. It's that which he is literally transmitting to us. Okay, sometimes we might hear more conversationally, right? Anybody, not like literal auditory stuff, but deep inside, like you, you learn how God speaks to you. You learn the sound spiritually of your father's voice. But other times it's just a sense. The senses when it's God communicating to us bring peace. Like, you know, you can be freaked out and then he begins to communicate something to you. And for no apparent reason, you calm down. And you even, for me anyways, and I'm not saying it has to be this way for you, but for me, I will literally like all of a sudden, I can feel my body change. Like I'm not tense. And I literally will go, (sighs) a relief, a sense of relief. There's been a communication. The word there... Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word is the word rhema. You're going to hear so much about rhema through this whole thing. Rhema is an utterance, something actually communicated. Remember, not just verbal utterance. God utters to your being in the language that is between you and him alone. None of us hear exactly the same. Don't let any teacher try to make you hear the way they do. I have three children, and they each know me differently. They each handle me differently. They're individuals. We had certain, you know, key factors, moral, whatever, you know, standards within our house. But we raised, Neil and I raised each of our kids Differently, their hearts cried out for what they needed. Marianne needed no boundaries given, no, no, um, what do you call that time? You got to come home at night. She did curfew. She didn't need any of that. She didn't have to be told when to go to bed. She, from little, she just, I mean, it was amazing. The guys were different. (laughs) And not all bad, just totally different. They heard their father and I differently. They related to us differently. They still do. And they're grown adults. Marianne is 35 years old. She hears differently, but the same spirit. So this rhema, we always think of communication as something verbal or words, but hearing motivates action. And some of when we know it's God is when it motivates a confident action I've said before, and I don't know if I've said it in here. I think I have. That faith, when, when faith is communicated to us, it's like having the nerve to do the thing. When you, when you have the faith to step out in something, it's like having the nerve. Now, some people just in their flesh can be kind of nervy about different things. So I'm not talking about that. There is, you know, wrong faith, wrong nerve, brazenness. 
um, intrusiveness, abrasiveness. But I'm talking about in life, to have the courage, to have the nerve, to look in the face. And I, I didn't plan to use this thing with Eli tonight, but it's such a good illustration because it's a devastating situation. It's just not cool. There's not a thing cool about cancer. And so to look and have the nerve to declare to cancer, you are not going to wreck our family. You are not going to be the identity of this child. In fact, they gave, um, they gave Marianne this notebook when she and David brought Eli home. And it was um, something about uh, living with children with cancer. And so Marianne walked in and she set it on the table. She said, what do I do with this? So I pulled out. It was one of those notebooks that, you know, the, there's a page in it. Clear, It's clear. I said, go get, the, go get the magic marker. And so we pulled that sucker out of there, threw it on the dining room table, and said, living with children healed of cancer. You have to have the nerve to put the appropriate perspective on the line. You have to have the nerve to go out on the limb and say, hey, this is not ruling everything. Now, it may take up time and attention and focus, but it needs to be done through communication from God because the only strength to walk in situations like that comes from God himself. Mm-hmm. Only from God. But see, your situation can feel that devastating to you. You see, it's not really about the size of a situation. It's about how it affects us. It's about what we feel like. If you have anything, something maybe someone else would say, that's really no big deal. That's very insensitive to say to people about situations. You know, like I heard um, this parent say one time, the worst thing you can say like to a young teenage girl that's broken up with her boyfriend, it's really no big deal. You'll find somebody else. Because you're basically belittling their emotions. You see, God never belittles our emotions. If we sit with him and somebody else might say, oh my gosh, I wish that was the only issue I had. I mean, people will say that to people. I'm like, you insensitive snot. I mean, to them, they're feeling this. And it may be drowning them. See, I don't know what it's like to come from a home where parents are cruel. I I don't have context for it, but I care that there are people who do have context for that. And it makes my heart ache. And yet I also ache for the parents because that came from somewhere. It didn't come out of a vacuum. How do people get past hatred? A co-aying the rhema. It's time for us to bury some of the garbage that lives on planet Earth. It's time to stop some things in their tracks. Hebrews um, 11, I'm going to do 1 to 3. Very important stuff. Because we're building all the time, guys. You're building out of something all the time. If we have confidence, if we have faith in the lie, if we have faith in wrong things that are completely scripturally lies, but we're building out of them, we can build entire structures, we can build lineages out of nonsense. Hebrews 11.1 Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, The evidence of things not seen. For by it, by the faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen weren't made out of things which are visible. See, this is important stuff. Um, The word faith there is pistis. It's a conviction or a confident expectation, persuasion. It's a reliance. It's important for us to look at what do we really rely on? What do you really rely on? What do I really rely on? 
The worlds were framed. How crazy is that? The worlds were framed by the rhema of God. That word framed is katartizo, and that's a Greek word, and it means to put things in order. Remember when I said in Genesis, at the beginning, he spoke and created perfectly, and there was the cataclysmic happening, and then things were devastated. But he brought things back into order. He reframed, reformed what was going on in the natural realm. Anybody want to reform some things in your life? Reform some things in our nation? I mean, hey, let's stick close to home. Let's reform some things in the church. Let's reform some things in the church of Jesus Christ. Let's let it really be Christ at the center of the church, not doctrine. I like good doctrine, but doctrine didn't save me. Jesus did. And Jesus needs to take the doctrines, the teachings, and teach them to me personally. You see, this is, this is the beauty. I'm not really your teacher here tonight. I'm provoking you. I'm influencing you. But the one who will actually give you revelation out of anything that I'm saying tonight is the spirit of Jesus Christ. The Christ, the anointed one. His anointing, his power will destroy yokes and bondages that have you trapped with human thinking. Have you trapped with lies that have been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. And don't hate your parents or your grandparents. It originated in a place way far away from us right now, geographically, where somebody was persuaded by info that came from the wrong source. So we don't want resentment, bitterness, hatred. We just want to say, I'm going to communicate with you right now, Lord. You see, even worship, we're communing with God. We're communing. He said, just present yourself in the midst together and watch what I'll do. Let your heart go, even to trust him by being vulnerable enough to trust the crowd. We're good together, guys. No matter how many other people come here, we're safe here together. No one's coming in here trying to mess with us. We're growing together in truth. And so you can let your guard down and say, Lord, even the other faith of my brothers and sisters in this room will help the barriers that would make me keep walls up to come down. Because I know I'm loved here. I know I'm accepted here. I know I'm not judged here. No matter what. No matter what. You're not judged here. No matter what, you're not judged here. You are safe to open your heart and receive from the living God. Receive communication. Sometimes when we're really in dire straits, we feel safer to come into a space where the anointing is flowing because there are people that are trusting God. Ever had times at home where you can't really feel him and find him and it's like, what's going on? Sometimes we need to come into the embodiment because maybe we haven't learned yet at home to recognize or to feel him or to sense him. And that's not wrong or bad. It just is. Are you all with me? There's something so powerful about the family gathering in Christ, the embodiment of Christ. So we build a belief structure. And if it's been erected wrongly, we need to rebuild it. If we have heard wrong, then hear again the right way. So don't beat yourself up if you've got things in place, if you've got a structure and you look at, look at it. And, you know, if you sit here on a Wednesday night or a Sunday or you listen to teachings at home and you think, oh, my gosh, I'm so far gone. My structure is so a mess that I don't know. Sometimes it's happened like you ever watched um, Hoarders Buried Alive or whatever. And you think there is no way they're going to get that house clean. Yes, they can. You start with the tiniest thing, the tiniest change. And if you watch, the people even come in psychologically to help the people. And they don't force them. God doesn't force either. You come in here and and you may think, oh, my structure's like way cray. Like I look at it and it's like, you know, a haunted house. Don't freak. Take a deep breath. Relax. And say, okay, Jesus, help. And I don't know what I'm doing. 
I've never built like this before, Jesus. He's so beautiful. He's so beautiful. He's always willing to help. Never judges. And if he did that, or is that way with us, who is like that? Father, God, the creator of all. Because Jesus said, I only do and behave like he does. And he's saying, you can do and behave like him too. It's time for us to really appreciate the life we have, right? And even appreciate the way we're built. Resist self-hatred. It's so detrimental. It's so not cool. We're always building, if not intentionally, then unintentionally or wrongly. I encourage you as we're going through this year, even the things that you don't understand, or maybe, and I'll, I'll be bold enough to say this, things you really don't like that you're hearing, just be open and be intentional and say, Lord, I'm not here to agree with every word said. I'm here to be in agreement with the fact that we are committing ourselves to growth spiritually. Are you all with me? Um, I want to go, oh gosh, do I want to go there? I think so. Let's go to um, Matthew 12. Because I want to clarify something for you. In case you fit, my Bible is so loved. (laughs) I need to send it away and have it rebound. I love this one so much. Um, Actually, Sandy gave it to me for my 40th birthday. It's 25 years old. And um, when we were in training centers. And so there's so many notes in it. And I should send it away and have it rebound. But I can't. I don't want it away. (laughs) I'm like, no. Because Pastor Barry told me it takes a long time when you send them away. So um, maybe I need to double check that now. That was a while ago. Matthew 12. Um, this is where, and I'm not going to read all of this scripture, um, but this is the passage where Jesus says, make the tree either good or bad, you know, make a decision. And that's kind of what we did last week with our commitment. We want to, we want a good tree. We want a, a proper house. We want to grow in God. We want to live life, not just religion. We want to live, live life. And, and so we've made that decision. Verse 36 says, and this is red. Okay. Um, but I'm, I'm going to unpack it a little bit. But I say to you that for every idol, and see that's useless, thoughtless, say no condemnation, thoughtless, purposeless word, and that word for word is rhema. It's the utterance, you know, but you can have um, utterances and then they get perverted, okay? Word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. A lot of stuff's been taught about this scripture and what the day of judgment is and all of that. What I want you to understand is this is talking about personal accountability. It's not God saying, oh my gosh, Matt, you're talking cray and now I'm judging you. It is not that, not at all. You know, like you might have grown up in a family and if you said a cuss word, they took you to the bathroom and put soap in your mouth. God doesn't put soap in your mouth. He doesn't put sickness and disease on you. He's not going to smack you down and drop you to the ground and turn his back and walk away. No, he is letting us know through Jesus that when you are not intentional, when you buy the lie, when you're tricked to talk nonsense over your life, you are going to experience some consequences, some input, because the enemy looks. You see, there's two realms that want to agree with us. There's light that wants to agree with us, Father God, the intention of life, and then there's the dark one who's just anything that God says, he uses the spiritual laws backwards, perverse. He would love to to say when you take sickness and disease and say, oh, yes, I agree. Or when we say, I'm worthless, I don't deserve this, I don't. Amen. I agree, Kathy. But see, those are senseless, useless, purposeless words in the scheme of God. They're just wrong. Now say no condemnation and don't freak out. 
as language changes, we all, we all can hear things as we go through our day. This is an information age, guys. Stuff is flying at you, mazillions of words a minute. In information on our phones, on our computers, in conversations. After this time together, there'll be conversations all over the sanctuary. Lots of voices talking. Lots of transmittable dis-ease. There are things going on. Don't freak out. You take a deep breath and you say, Lord, help me to hear how I really talk. And so then when you find that, oh, I got some screwed up language with this particular situation. Don't say, well, no wonder hell is manifesting in my life. Just say, teach me to talk different, Lord. Because we're not wanting to adopt a religious conversation, right? I mean, it's not like you've got to speak in chapters and verses in King James English. I mean, please. No, you want the spirit of this word living inside. Remember we said we want to take it to heart. Are you all with me? Is anybody disturbed or discouraged? Don't be discouraged. That's a dis word. No. Anything. Now listen, but hear my heart. Hear God's heart. Anything you justify, which could be except even in ignorance, You give license to be in your life. Because the word of God says, by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Not just condemned like, okay, God says, okay, you are condemned. You talk like a nutcake. I'm not letting you be in my kingdom. No, it's not that. Condemned could mean falter, fail, experience destruction, discouragement, um, be ill at ease. You see, even being ill at ease, God doesn't want us ill at ease in life. He doesn't want us nervous every moment. Anybody ever get nervous? I do. Anybody get nervous? But he doesn't want us to constantly be nervous, fearful of the future. He doesn't want us to constantly look back and feel guilty and regret our past. He doesn't want us to live in these spaces where we can't hear his communication. He lifts our sights and says, no, no, come on. We're walking together now. You know that I'm here. I've been here all along, but now you know I'm here, Kathy. Now let's have conversations. Let's talk. What makes you crazy? You, and I'm going to kind of finish with this. You can sit and have conversations with God, and you can be so vulnerable and so real. And he's not going to scrutinize every word you say. He's not going to check to see if you're quoting the scriptures correctly. He's not going to wash your mouth out with soap. You know what I mean by that. You just go ahead and talk to him. You go ahead and tell God, I really need to be alone with you and find out what you think of me, how I'm going to get past this nervousness, how I'm going to get past this concern, whatever it is. He's not going to say, oh my gosh, Kathy, you've been in ministry for 30 years. What the heck? Have you not, I mean, are you not over this yet? He doesn't do that. He says, nah, come close. You know, I get this picture sometimes almost like my dad used to, my dad was a big guy and, and he would just tuck me in under his arm, you know, and, and hold me close. And um, I remember we lost our first child and, and a miscarriage. And I remember when daddy, the first time he saw me, um, I was laying on the couch and he came and he just took my hand and he said, baby, you're going to have lots of There was a comfort. There was a something that just grabbed a hold of me. Father God wants to do that for you. Now, I was, you know, there were a lot of things going through me at that moment. I wasn't walking with God at that time in my life. I was born again as a child, but I wasn't walking with God. Yet my father fathered me and even didn't even know it, but he prophesied over me. How much more? this father God how much more will he speak into us how much more will he tuck us up under his arm how much more will he overshadow our crazy mindsets how much more Hebrews 1 3 um, you can just make that a note if you're taking notes It says that he upholds 
all things by the word of his power. Not the power of his word, the word of his power. That communication, that rhema that comes to you, he's upholding things with that rhema. He's upholding your life, even when you don't feel it, even when you may feel at odds or concerned. He's upholding you. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Not to be forsaken means he's never going to not be what you need. So even when we don't feel it or haven't yet seen it manifested, he's there to become what we need in that moment. Sometimes it's just to help us grab our thoughts, to help us lift our sights to, okay, this situation in the office is ridiculous. But I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to condemn. All the people there, just like I, have had a life, have had some upbringing, have had perhaps some despair. And so there's not peace there. Lord, how do I bring peace? Well, he says, let me bring it inside you first. Let me bring it inside you. Let me help you not to judge even yourself. Because, you know, sometimes we get so mad and we judge ourselves like, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be so PO'd at these people. But you're human. So we have to commit that to God and say, okay, I need you to help me with this attitude because I'm drowning in liking to wanting to smack these people around a little bit. Because we feel it, right? Like, the only sense you get isn't just, you know, hearing or a echoing God. It's like, I hear all these people. What is wrong with these people? But he upholds all things by the rhema, okay, the word, of his dunamis. The power, especially, don't miss this if you don't get anything else tonight. Inherent power. He upholds things by his inherent power. When he transmits to us, he transmits with great power. He shares with us the life that is him. The strength that is him. He says, baby girl, you are just like me. Baby boy, you are just like me. I have built you to receive from me. To house inside yourself a power against which there is no recourse. Do we believe it? Are we allowing him? Are we willing to let him guide us, train us, literally prepare us for life? I know that you all are willing to be prepared for life. None of us know what's on our path. But God wants to prepare us to thrive no matter what comes our way. Helen Keller said, The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. Are you willing to let God give you vision for change in your life? Are you willing to let him check your eyesight spiritually? I am. I want him to check my eyesight. I want him to even show me, not just personally, but what are we doing here together? We're not just filling a Wednesday night. We've been drawn supernaturally. All of us have been drawn to come together, to share our lives, to to share our lives in worship, to, to depend on one another. That when we come to this room on Wednesday nights, God manifests here. I treasure you guys. I I so respect and honor you for committing time and coming on work nights and staying here until 9 o'clock at night and then visiting afterwards, some of you do, and and just that whole, I so respect that because it's, it's soothing to my heart and to my mind that we are kindred. We're kindred. We really believe God can change through us, in us and then through us. Father, we honor you in this place. We, we thank you so much for this place called so, called School of Word and Worship. Father, teach us, guide us with truth, your very spirit of truth, to understand even the name of this school, Word and Worship. Teach us, Father. Father, I, I just say thank you for your intention to answer the deepest needs of every man and woman here. 
I thank you so much for your faithfulness. I thank you for the way that I've known you to be faithful in, in my life to this point. The same for them. And we say we know there's more, Father God. We know that we can grow. We know that we can have more nerve than has been seen in this region. And not in order to be cocky Christians that are so such know-it-alls, but to truly be lovers of Jesus, lovers of you, and people who genuinely love other people. Because your word says, Father God, love never fails. Your kind of love never, ever fails. So we just commit our lives together here and we let ourselves be bound even tighter this very moment. Right this moment for us now, faith is. And we're going to see miraculous changes personally and corporately in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great rest of your week.